Welcome back to In the Queue, film conversations with Andrew and Phil. I am your co-host, Andrew, and I don't even have an intro thing to say because this is a special episode. Yeah, you took mine. Oh, did I? <laughs> yeah, uh, normally we have something clever to say, uh, but I guess my clever thing would be I'm really looking forward to seeing what sort of jokes Chris Rock is going to come up with to address the whole diversity controversy surrounding this Oscars. It's a big uh, controversy because as the controversy states in its Twitter and social media hashtag, the Oscars are so white for the second year in a row. Yeah. Uh, people uh, have brought this up as a a major problem, uh, mm. a problem that is probably more representative of the state of the movie industry in general than it is of the Oscars in and of themselves. Right. Uh, and, you know, you've got actually the president of the Academy is a black woman. Um, and she is. Yeah, she uh, she addressed the, the controversy. And I think they've talked about that there's going to be changes implemented. I don't know what they are. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what that's going to look like. And any changes that they make are going to take years to actually see the fruit of. Because, as we all know, movies are a long process. I mean, it's several years that movies are in development and mm-hmm. being made. So any changes that they do make, we might have a few more really white Oscars in front of us. It's possible, yeah. But, you know, the, but, the, but the, voters, it's, the voters may also take steps, you know, on yeah. their own. If you, if you look back to the creation of the best makeup category, that, yes. that category came about because everybody was outraged how the elephant man was snubbed for its amazing uh, makeup effects. Yeah. So in 1981, they introduced this new category. So I feel like, I'm not saying they're going to introduce a new category, but I'm saying I feel like uh, the voters may sort of take to heart uh, all the the outrage and the furor surrounding this theory. Yeah, yeah. and more recently, the creation of the uh, animated feature category, mm-hmm. which did not exist before the year 2000. Ah, good um, point. Yeah, it was, you know, but it was also because there was a major uptick in the number of films that were animated, mm-hmm. you know, feature films that were animated that were being released in a given year. So yeah. um, there are external forces, of course, that operate in the movie industry that make these things difficult to address in, in a timely fashion. I mean, I, you know, where the money comes from to make the movies has an effect on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is making the movies for whom has an effect on it. Uh, certainly with regards to the Oscars the campaigning of the studios and the individuals themselves Mm -hmm. has a huge effect on who even gets nominated, much less wins. Indeed. So it's, I mean, you know, it's a lot more complicated than just sort of looking at it and, and saying this is, uh, you know, a a, a grave injustice though it is. Uh, I think that the entire, there needs to be a, a, a sea change in the industry for this to really be kind of, yeah. Uh, what we what we hope it will be in the future. Yeah, I think that sea change. Uh, you know, this might be the year when steps are taken to really kind of realize that. Um, in the meantime, I hope so. There's, I hope so. there's still good work being done, of course. Of people course. who should be nominated, like Idris Elba. Um, mm-hmm. I, I actually I haven't seen this film, but Will Smith has gotten a lot of raves for Concussion. Of course. Um, so of course. Th- there have been snubs indeed, and and unfortunately, I mean, th- Benicio del Toro for. <laughs> One of one of both of our favorite films of the year, Sicario. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton of snubs out there, and they can't be avoided. But I think it's definitely a good uh, a good sign that people are starting to take more notice of this issue, and and hopefully we'll see some changes in the future. 
Definitely. Definitely. In the meantime, we have the Oscars to address uh, as we do a film podcast. Uh, it would We would be remiss in not talking about them. Uh, I get excited about them every year, mm-hmm. no matter what, even though the Academy never nominates the movies that I love the most. Uh. <laughs> and then when it does nominate movies that I do love, they never win. So <laughs> Sad. The sad truth. It's a sad existence I lead. <laughs> I mean, occasionally I'm surprised or I'm, I'm really happy with what they do. But uh, mm-hmm. but I would say that I'm infuriated much more often than I am uh, happy, <laughs> happy with it. Case in point, Crash 2005. Uh, That's my uh, example of being infuriated. Uh, a lot of people were, were upset. Andrew was not one of them, I'm guessing. I was not. I, was, I actually, I think that there is a case to be made for that being a beautiful film. It's... There's a, it's really great filmmaking. Wow. But uh, that's a conversation for another day, I think. Okay. <laughs> uh, so what we're going to do is, uh, as we've done in the past, we're going to go through category by category. We're not going to hit every single category and explain to you what the difference is between sound mixing and sound editing, as we have done before. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, we're going to hit the major categories and talk about what we think is going to win and maybe throw in a couple of comments about what we wish would have been nominated or what Mm -hmm. we wish or what we're we're hoping will win, but we know probably won't. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that's, that's pretty much what this show is going to be all about. So I think without any further ado, we can just start getting into the awards and uh, you can uh, sit next to our podcast with your Oscar ballot and just mark the things off. You can take this to the bank, man. We're like five (laughs) dot (laughs) com. That's right. We're going to get a lot more (laughs) listeners now. I can tell. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, so we wanted to start with the best achievement in editing, uh, best editing of the year. The five nominees for that particular award are The Big Short, Hank Corwin was the editor on that, Spotlight with Tom McArdle, Mad Max Fury Road with Margaret Sixel, Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens uh, with Marianne Brandon and Mary Jo Markey. And The Revenant with Stephen Marione. Yeah, Stephen Marione is actually a, a veteran of, oh, of yeah. the Oscars. I remember hearing his name many years back. Um, unlike these other people who I, have, I had not heard of. Um, yeah. But I think this is one of the trickier categories to, to handicap. I think it is too. Um, but I, I'm going to have to say that I think it's, it's probably going to be Mad Max Fury Road. I think it's actually unquestionably going to be Mad Max Fury Road okay. because I don't think that they're going to award it Best Picture. No. And I think – because I think that it, people would feel guilty doing that <laughs> <laughs> because of the kind of film that it is and because of uh, you know the, the, the pedigree of a film like that. Mm-hmm. But I think that they will try to honor it where they can. I think it's going to do very well in the technical categories. Yeah. Uh, you know, all, everything from sound mixing and, and uh, sound design up to to production design and costumes and all, all these things I think that Mad Max is going to do very well mm-hmm. with. Uh, I also think it's going to do editing because it is bravura editing. I mean, it is absolutely one of the most tightly and mm-hmm. kinetically and enjoyably edited films. And you can actually read a number of really great articles out there about Margaret Sixel is George Miller's wife. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's, he's the director of the film, of course. And, uh, and he turned to her to edit this film 
for him. And there's a lot of articles out there about them sort of finding the rhythm and finding the uh, the story and finding the the kind of the, the feel pulse. of the film in yeah in the editing yeah. room. And and for that reason, if nothing else, I think it'll win. It's certainly a very moving film, perhaps the most moving film in that category. Uh, and it's just a, a stellar example of an action film. So, so yeah. All right. So uh, I'll yeah. read the next one. Uh, the next Certainly. category is cinematography. Um, the nominees are Carol, Edward Lockman, The Hateful Eight, Robert Richardson, Mad Max again, John Seal, The Revenant by Emmanuel Lubezki, and Sicario by Always a Bridesmaid, Never Bride, Roger Deakins. <laughs> and I'm sorry, Mr. Deakins, but I'm afraid this is not your year. Uh, 13. This is... Number thirteen for him. He's been nominated thirteen times and never yeah, won. So he is the which the is biggest loser un- in the history of cinematography. <laughs> believable. It's unbelievable. Because no, because you're right. He's not going to yeah, win again. But he's a, he's a great, unmistakable DP. I will always associate him with the 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 look of the Coen Brothers films. The Coen Brothers. Yeah. yeah. But I think that um, in a in a, an upset, I think Emmanuel Lubezki is going to win his third Oscar in a row for cinematography three times. Three years in yeah, a row. You know, this has never been done. It has done. been done. It has. Yes. Has it? Yeah. Who won? Who oh, I, I can't tell you off the top of my head, but if you go to the Wikipedia page for, for cinematography, there are people who have won three Oscars in a row for cinematography. It has wow. not been done Very in impressive. modern times. Not since you and I have been alive, but it has yeah, been certainly. done. Anyway, uh, they shot The Revenant using in, entirely natural light. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful sort of uh, dance between the the natural light and the camera. Uh, the, the, uh, the shot that kind of opens the film where the camera's moving over uh, a, an ebbing stream and then mm-hmm. it just kind of glides along the reflections, tilts up. The gun barrel of a rifle slowly makes its way into the right side of the frame and then we see that there are these hunters moving past us. The, the film is full of just craftsman-like, beautifully composed photography. It is astonishing. Yeah. And this is a this is a good category, um, but I feel like Emmanuel, Emmanuel Lubezki has got his third Oscar in a row. I would agree with you. I think that, I think that this is actually one of the most interesting and tightest categories uh, because every single one of the films in here, I think, has a, a claim to the throne, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, I mean, I, I prefer Sicario, not just because... It's Roger Deakins, which helps, uh, but also because I think that it was just a, an incredibly photographed uh-huh. film beginning to end. I mean, we talked about it in our review of the film. We talked about the cinematography at length, in mm-hmm. fact. Um, uh, it, it, even in, in our podcast about Carol, which was a movie that I didn't particularly care for, mm-hmm. we talked uh, at length about the cinematography. Yeah, and Ed Lockman, this is a guy who in 1986 made True Stories with David Byrne. That's what I think yeah, of when yeah. I think of Ed Lockman. And that's a very quirky movie. And Carol is is so elegantly done, so elegantly shot. Uh, but I feel like Lubezki's on another level than anybody else. Yeah, I mean, Robert Richardson, who's done the last several Tarantino films. or the last few, anyway. Yeah, the last, since the Glorious Bastards, I think. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, John Seal for Mad Max. The the cinematography in that is astonishing for a lot of the same reasons we're talking about mm. uh, for the editing. I mean, it's 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 got a, a feel. It, it it contributes to the the feel of that film and the um, separation between 
areas and mm-hmm. characters and everything. It's just an incredible. All of these are incredible achievements, but I think that you're right. The Revenant is too. It's too much of a powerhouse to ignore. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the scope of the shots, uh, you know, some of those long sort of fluid masters. The uh, the the just the sheer beauty of a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's exactly the kind of thing that the uh, the Academy eats up, and I, I can't fault them for it. I think it's a, it's a the cinematography is it helps to create that kind of desolate, mm-hmm. lifeless landscape. And and you know you remember when we talked about this film, we talked about how cold you felt in the theater watching right. it. A lot of that has to do with the way that it's photographed. And the photography is working hand-in-hand with the directing for that film. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. (laughs) Oh, oh, will we? Well, the next uh, category that we have listed here is the best foreign language film of the year. uh, Which I have only seen three of these films. So it makes it a little bit difficult for me to talk about. I have seen none Uh, of these films, which makes it impossible for me to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Makes it impossible for you to talk about it. Every single one of these films that I saw was incredible, um, like really incredible films. I wish I'd seen them before we had our best of the year mm-hmm. uh, podcast, but I am only human, yeah. and I can only <laughs> I can only see so many movies at a time. And uh, I saw Mustang, The Embrace of the Serpent, and Son of Saul. Mm-hmm. And if the talk is to believed, to be believed, Son of Saul is going to walk away with this yeah. Oscar. Everybody's been talking about it. It's, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but yet another film set during the Holocaust. But the point of view and the story that this particular film tells is so incredibly unique and mm-hmm. and unlike anything that I've I've seen. Yeah. Uh, it, it really, uh, it it sort of is on another level in a lot of ways. It's not my favorite of the three that I've seen. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I think it's going to take the award. Yeah, I think so too. Just based on what I've heard, and I know the Academy, it, it has a special place in their hearts for Holocaust dramas. So. <laughs> it's true. All right. So the next film, the next category we're going to talk about is best animated feature film. This is a super interesting category. You've got Anomalisa, directed by Charlie Kaufman and Duke Johnson. You've got uh, Boy in the World, produced by Ale Abreu. You've got Inside Out. Um, directed by Pete Docter. You've got Sean the Sheep movie by Mark Burton and Richard Starzak. And then you've got When Marnie Was There, which is by Hiromasa Yonibayashi and Yoshiaki Nishimura. Yes. Uh, that's a Studio Ghibli film, isn't it? Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. So uh, I've, I've only had the privilege to see a couple of these. And I know... F- for a fact that Anomalisa is definitely not going to win this award. I think <laughs> no the, the, no the unmistakable favorite in this category is Pixar's Inside Out. Um, it's, yeah. a, it's a Not only was it a huge box office and critical success, um, it's also just got a lot of momentum online by the fans. I think Inside Out is definitely going to win this year. Yeah, I think that you are very right in saying that. I don't have any argument with that. I do want to point out that this category is uh, remarkably uh, sort of disparate this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, they really chose different kinds of films from different parts of the world and with a, a very different feel to them. I mean, we have 
what you would expect to be in here is a movie like Inside Out. Mm-hmm. But then Shaun the Sheep, of course, is an Ardman animation film. So it's stop motion plasticine models. Same with Anomalisa. When Marnie was there is classical hand animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Boy in the World is is a, a two-dimensional animated film. I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's, it's a, a wide breadth of kinds of films and uh, and, and places in the world that they've been pulled yeah. from. And it's really, it's very heartening to and see And it's that. also heartening to see a movie like Anomalisa, which is geared towards adults, unmistakably, um, be included yes. in the category of, you know, films that are traditionally part of a genre that appeal to young people primarily. So always yeah. a good thing. So the next category is the best writing of a screenplay based on material previously produced or published. The nominees are The Big Short, Charles Randolph and Adam McKay, The Martian, Drew Goddard, Brooklyn, Nick Hornby, based off of his novel, I believe. Yes. Uh, uh, Room and Donahue, and Carol, Phyllis Nagy. This one's a little bit tougher. It's tougher. I mean, I've... It's a hard one to I've call. I've seen all these films this time, but I feel like there isn't really <laughs> one that is a uh, clear standout. Yeah, I I would say that if I had to if I had to guess, I would say the Big Short is probably going to win That's this a good one. Yes, simply because of the difficulty of the task of adapting that particular book. Mm-hmm. Uh, a fairly dry account of a financial crisis with characters who don't really ever come together or see each other mm-hmm. and are, you know, and, and, and it requires a pretty decent knowledge of the economic sort of mechanisms that are at work mm-hmm. in the film. And it, the, the screenplay took that book and made it, understandable and engaging and fun well definitely you know? engaging and fun for me uh i find <laughs> maybe not so much it's a little harder if we understand it first but i i after a couple of visits to the wikipedia i was right on top of it <laughs> um i'm gonna say that i agree i think that the big short will win but i also want to acknowledge two other movies that yeah. are deserving just as deserving um i think that room Adapted from Emma mm-hmm. Donahue's book by the author herself, yep, is a was a great screenplay for a great film. But what I especially admired about it was the way that she laid the groundwork for a lot of really wonderful visual storytelling by the director Lenny Abrahamson. Um, there's yes. a lot of scenes in this film that are from the perspective of the little boy played by Jacob Tremblay, and a lot of these scenes, um, there's there is no dialogue to advance the story. We're just kind of seeing through his eyes I'm, the scene when he actually escapes from the room and he's rolled up inside of a rug in the back of, of a pickup truck that particular scene when he unrolls and he sees the sky he's he's shocked by the world and that whole sequence which i thought was the best part of the film was was a scene that i thought was very well written and it allowed for a lot of as i mentioned just kind of bravura storytelling on the part of the director to mm-hmm. to convey the what was happening the excitement of the events um of the martian based on a very popular book is a really tightly constructed movie as well um it basically yeah. has to kind of juggle a huge cast of of important celebrities 
and it's it's incredibly tight uh and that all that has to start from the writing i mean the martian is not the kind of you know cassavetti style film that was improvised and 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 put together and and and, and feature oh, and no. you know heavy on the the acting well the a- i don't i don't feel like any ridley scott film has ever been loose no. i don't think loose is a, a word you could describe right. him so he uh so the director the direction is also to be praised for the martian but like i said it often starts with the screenplay and i thought that both martian and room were both super superb examples of that but i have to agree that the big short is going to take it home I think so too. All right, that brings us to our next category: best screenplay written directly for the screen. This is a very interesting category. It is. And I already know what Andrew <laughs> is going to say for what he thinks should win. Yes, you do. Yes, you <laughs> the do. Cat, I'll just go ahead for as a formality. I'll just read the other nominees. Um, it's sure. uh, Bridges Spies, written by Matt Sharman and Joel and Ethan Cohen. Interestingly, not writing for themselves, but writing for a Spielberg film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spotlight. Written by Josh Singer and Tom McCarthy, Ex Machina, written by Alex Garland, and Straight Out of Compton, written by Andrea Burloff, Jonathan Herman, S. Lee Savage, and Alan Winkus. And then lastly, Inside Out is nominated. Uh, the screenplay was written by Pete Doctor, Meg LaFove, Josh Cooley, and Ronnie Del Carmen. So there's two. Two nominees with four writers for, per film, yeah. and then one nominee with three writers. So these are some very heavy, heavily written films. Um, I think that uh, it's going to go to Spotlight, and I say that because Spotlight was a very well written film, and also I don't think it's going to win many awards this year. I think they're going to give an overall award to show their appreciation for the film itself by by so giving too. it a screenplay Oscar. I think that you're right. I think it'll win here, um, not only because it is a great screenplay, uh, but for the very reason that you mm-hmm. said. I don't think they're going to give it any of the. You know, it's not flashy. It's enough, old news right? now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's old news. It's an old film as far as the Oscar season goes. It came out the back fall in somewhere. I mean, September or October yeah. or something like that. Uh, I don't mean. I don't so, mean the, the subject matter is old news. I just mean the film itself, as you say. The film yeah. itself, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think that it it doesn't have a lot of forward momentum, even though it was it seemed to be a front runner at least for a time with a lot of the people who who handicap this kind of stuff uh, for best picture, but seems to have faded in in recent yeah. weeks. Um, personally, I think that Ex Machina mm-hmm. should win this I'm award because I think it's a extraordinary screenplay it was my favorite film of the year uh and i think that uh alex garland's sort of vision of our engagement with artificial intelligence and engagement with each other Mm -hmm. is is really extraordinarily well done but i have no hate for spotlight because i think it's you know it's it's also one of the best films Mm -hmm. of the year so uh no question i think it's going to win and i think that it is right to win the next category that we come to is Best Achievement in Directing. We're getting into the big ones now, the big, oh, yeah. big ones. And those nominees are Adam McKay for The Big Short. Surprised to see Adam McKay's He, he name looks here. surprised, too, in his thumbnail photo. Like, he just has his expression. <laughs> on IMDb, yeah, like, oh, yeah. What am I doing here? <laughs> Lenny Abrahamson for Room. Uh, George Miller, of course, for Mad Max Fury Road. 
Tom McCarthy for Spotlight, the film we were just talking about, and Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu for The Revenant. Yep. I think this is an interesting category because I think that this may be one of those years when the film that wins Best Picture is not going to be the same film that wins Best Director. Mm. I think that the winner this year, in a similar set of circumstances to what you were just describing, Phil, uh, I think that they are going to want to show Mad Max Fury Fury Road some love, Mm. and I think that they may do it here. And I think George Miller might win this award just because people want to show their love for that. That's film. a fascinating pick. And I, I can understand your optimism. Um, I don't know if the, if the Oscars would be so radical as to really bestow their directing award on this film. It's certainly a brilliantly directed movie. It's uh, I'll, I'll give it that Mad Max was not one of my favorite films of the year, but it is masterfully done. And I'm, I'm very pleased that George Miller was recognized, and it shows some coolness on the part of the the Academy that they would even nominate him. But yeah, yeah, I still think that Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu is going to edge him out. I think that it's it's I, possible, but I also think the fact that he just won last year actually works against him. Mm-hmm. I think that people will go, ah, eh, he just won. Let's give it to George Miller. Because he made a really killer movie too. I hear your I hear your logic, and I I understand it. But I still have to stick. I have to stick <laughs> with the fact that I think the Revenant has a lot of momentum right now. Um, it's, it does. It's, it does. Of all the nominees for Best Picture, I feel like it's the most current one. It just won big at the Baftas not too long ago. It did. And Mad Max is something back from earlier in 2015. It's not quite on the tip of everyone's tongue. And what I was saying before about how the director of The Revenant and, the, and his DP really worked in tandem. I really mean that. And The Revenant is full of just virtuoso filmmaking. It's full of it virtuoso is. fluid masters, be they real or digital. They're, they still show a lot of heft, a lot of talent and drive, passion, and, and they all succeed. Um, I think the directing is... It, it, it takes place in the elements. It takes place under harsh conditions. I think that's going to help the film's star, Leo DiCaprio. And I think it's going to help the director and impress upon the Academy that this is a film that was uh, the product of a lot of talent and a lot of effort. And it succeeded. So I still think that The Revenant is going to get Best Director for Inuri 2. I think that that is, if, if, if George Miller doesn't get it, it's unquestionably going to go to Inuritu. I don't think any of the other three guys, as great a job as they all did mm-hmm. with their films this year, I don't think that they yeah, have a chance. I will be watching that category with bated breath on Sunday. All right, here's <laughs> another tricky category. It's best performance by an actress in a supporting role. It might not be as tricky as you <laughs> well, think. All right. <laughs> Jennifer Jason Lee in The Hateful Eight, Alicia Vikander in The Danish Girl, Rooney Mara in Carol, Kate Winslet in Steve Jobs and Rachel McAdams in Spotlight. Uh, I haven't seen The Danish Girl, but I don't think Alicia Vikander is a front runner. Um, but the reason I say it's tricky is because I feel like uh, all of all of the other four actresses were were good, um, but I feel like Kate Winslet has the momentum after winning the Golden Globe for her role in Steve Jobs. So I think they're probably going to give it to. To mm. Kate Winslet, although I would probably give it to Jennifer Jason Lee in The Hateful Eight. 
Well, I think that these are all excellent performances. Um, I do not think that Jennifer Jason Lee has a chance, uh-huh. nor does Rooney Mara, nor does Rachel McAdams. I think it's a two-person race between Alicia Vikander and Kate Winslet. And I think that Alicia Vikander is going to win it because she has won almost every award leading up to this. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, she has a tremendous amount of momentum. Uh, it's it's a really excellent performance uh, in that film, although I think that she was even better in Ex Machina. <laughs> but I promise I'll get off that horse that won't come up again uh, in so the rest of say. the conference. Well, it might when we get to a picture and I start to talk about how, how much it sucks that it wasn't nominated. Anyway... Uh, Kate Winslet, I, you know, I mean, when we talked about Steve Jobs, you know that I loved the film. It was in my uh, honorable mentions for mm-hmm. the year. I thought that it was one of the best films of the year. And I think that Kate Winslet is excellent in it. But there were some weird things, like the, there was an issue with her accent in the first wow. section of the film and some so, some sort of uh, unusual things. And Kate Winslet has also won before. Uh, the Academy loves to award sort of new, fresh faces as much as it loves to award, you know, old veterans. Mm-hmm. So I think that Alicia Vikander has the uh, the momentum here, and I think she's definitely going to win it. I think it's as close to a lock outside of one other category as we've got. That is this, so interesting. Well, yeah, I, I, like I said, I haven't seen The Danish Girl, so I could not be too impressed with her uh, for in the running. In the running, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll take that into into account. Indeed, indeed. Well, the next uh, category is also very interesting. It's the best performance by an actor in a supporting role. You've got Christian Bale in The Big Short. You've got Mark Rylance in Bridge of Spies. Tom Hardy in The Revenant. Sylvester Stallone in Creed. And Mark Ruffalo in Spotlight. It's a tough mm. one. It's a tough one to call. I think that each of these people has had their own sort of momentum mm-hmm. leading into this at one point or another. Uh, I think Sylvester Stallone is probably the uh, nostalgic choice yeah. candidate. Yeah, he's excellent in that film as well. Um, I think that, you know, having played that character, I think seven or eight times on film, something like that. Uh, I think, it, you know, it's, it, it could probably get really staid and and not interesting, but he manages to find something new in it every time. He was great in Rocky Balboa, mm-hmm. which was, uh, you know, not that long ago. Uh, Mark Ruffalo, Christian Bale, I think both, uh, do well in ensemble casts, but ensemble casts tend to hurt, uh, rather than help, I think, because you kind of get lost in the mix. Um, it's a little harder to stand out. Uh, I think that based on the awards and based on the chatter out there in the world, I think it's probably going to be Tom Hardy that wins this award. I would prefer to see Mark Rylance win this award. Because I think that his performance was so good in Bridge of Spies. We talked about that in our podcast on Bridge mm-hmm. of Spies, how much I loved his performance. I know it didn't work for you very much, <laughs> Phil. But I, I thought it was an extraordinary acting performance. And uh, and so it's a, it's a great category full of good performances. But, uh, but I think that Tom Hardy is going to walk away with this one for it's the record. It's good to hear you say that because I feel the same way. And I think that uh, mm-hmm. I was surprised when Tom Hardy was not nominated for a Golden Globe for that role yeah, um, yeah. cuz I thought he was the most unmistakably authentic and convincing character in in The Revenant. 
I thought he yeah, was just yeah. uh, he had this look in his eye at every single moment that just looked like total psychosis. And his character was vicious and uh, single-minded, and and Tom Hardy played it totally convincingly. Um, Mark Rylance, I think, is is not going to get it just because the Academy doesn't seem to like to award performances that are very withdrawn. Like, yes, know, nuanced performances are not the Academy's right. specialty. Like, you usually have to chew the scenery to be. Yeah, like <laughs> uh, look at Gary Oldman in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. That was that yeah, was yeah. a nominated film for Mr. Oldman. Um, but you know that type of character is somebody who doesn't have those big dramatic Oscar moments. You know the the kind of you know the the, yeah. the very sort of uh, moving soliloquies that will kind of stir the soul of the of the Oscar voters. Um, I think Sylvester Stallone also has momentum. Um, we're going to do a show about Creed actually later on in the year, not too not too long from now, where I will mm-hmm. reserve my comments for, for that episode before I talk about his performance. Ooh. <laughs> but I Ooh. still think that Tom Hardy is the more deserving and probably the more likely winner. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. agreed. All right, so that brings us to the best performance by an actress in a leading role: Kate Blanchett for Carol. The controversial Charlotte Rampling for 45 years, <laughs> uh, Brie Larson for Room, Sorsha Ronan for Brooklyn, and Jennifer Lawrence for Joy. Um, I haven't seen 45 years, but I've seen all the others, and I thought all these performances were good. Um, not as impressed with Kate Blanchett, just because I feel like it was a little bit kind of distant. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I felt that the same way kind of about Rooney Mara and that film yeah. in general. I mean... Sorsha uh, Ronan was wonderful in Brooklyn. Um, she has a moment that I just want to briefly acknowledge early in the film when she's at a dance in Ireland and she's with a friend and the friend is chosen to go dance with the boy and, and Sorsha Ronan is standing there and the camera wonderfully lingers on her face as her, her initial smile uh, at being happy for her friend fades and she just kind of looks around and it's a wordless moment and it's it just kind of stretches out and what we basically infer is she really is getting too big for this town she's getting too big for this country she needs to go somewhere else and uh where there are more mm-hmm. boys no, i'm just kidding uh more opportunities <laughs> is what i mean but i of think course. that brie larson is going to walk away with this i think everybody respects her for her turn in room it was i don't think there's yeah. any question i think She's got a lot. Yeah, my one of my other favorite scenes from Room is another kind of wordless moment when um, uh, her son, who escapes from the actual shed, gets uh, escorted in a police car back to the shed, and then um, Brie Larson's character is freed, and we see her coming out of the darkness, running, you know, searching frantically for her for Jack, for her son, and then she sees him in the police car, and she runs right to the the car. And right yeah, to the camera, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's a, it just gave me chills. And she, she is a superb actress. She's she has a lot of intensity. Um, I've seen her in some other serious films, and she totally deserves this honor. So I think it's going to be Brie Larson. I agree one hundred percent. I think there she's won basically every single award you can mm-hmm. win for this performance. I don't think there's any question she has all of the momentum. But on that 
point that you made both about Sorsha Ronan and Brie Larson, the sort of quiet, uh, silent moments, Charlotte Rampling in 45 years, it's basically wall to wall those moments. And it's extraordinary. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's absolutely an extraordinary performance. It's wonderful. Uh, it's heartbreaking. It's, it's really, it's really, uh, 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 really astonishing and impressive performance. Mm -hmm. And, uh, if, if there is a dark horse in this particular race, it's Charlotte Rampling, but I don't think that there's, I think Brie Larson has it. Yeah. And I also want to acknowledge that Jennifer Lawrence has really evolved into a starlet who can actually carry a movie like joy where she's in nearly every single frame. And uh, she just really, I thought, was a, a really a class act and, and a total, total pro, like in, in portraying this character. So I liked her a lot, too. Yeah, I thought she did an extraordinary job in a movie that was a little unfocused mm -hmm. and and maybe didn't showcase her as well as it probably could have. She did an extraordinary job for yeah. for that. That brings us to the best performance by an actor in a leading role. And this is yet another interesting category. Mm -hmm. Brian Cranston is nominated for Trumbo. Michael Fassbender is nominated for Steve Jobs. Matt Damon is nominated for The Martian. Eddie Renmain for The Danish Girl. And, of course, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio for The mm -hmm. Revenant. Leonardo DiCaprio is going to win this. It's a complete lock. There's no question yeah. about it. They, I mean, it's, it's, it's a a lousy year to be nominated as any of those other guys. Uh, I personally think that Steve, uh, Steve Jobs, Michael Fassbender's performance as Steve Jobs uh, is an extraordinary performance uh, filled with that, the aforementioned nuance that we were talking mm -hmm. about. Um, and I, I just loved his performance so very much. And I would say that Eddie Redmayne for the second year in a row gives a transformative performance uh, that just goes to show that he's one of the most committed and and versatile actors sort of working mm -hmm. uh, in the business. Uh, the only one of these that I have not seen as of this podcast is Brian Cranston in Trumbo, who I love very mm -hmm. much. Uh, so I can't comment on his performance, but of course Matt Damon was magnificent in The Martian. So it's a great category. It just uh, happens to be in the year where Leonardo DiCaprio turns in yet another great performance in a film that showcases him yeah <laughs> and in a film that was legendarily difficult to make uh physically and i think that that as much as anything is going to help him take this oscar home finally as most people would say as he's been nominated so many times and never won mm -hmm. um i would like to have seen him win for some of the other films he's been nominated for in the past but uh but if he's going to take it home it's not a bad way to do it yeah and i concur with that I think this is Leo's year, finally. Um, you know, this is a year where you don't have one performance that clearly uh, is more dominant than than his. Um, you, yeah. This is not a year when you've got Daniel Day-Lewis or Matthew McConaughey or, or any other people who have a performance that everybody is, is talking about as being the best of the year. People are, yeah. so, are saying that about Leo this time. And none of the other uh, nominees really, I think, match his performance. His performance, I think, is very good. Um, I think it's worthy of an Oscar. I don't think it's his best ever. Um, but but yeah, the thing is, yeah. the fact of the matter is, not only is the competition a little bit weaker this year, but also 
he demonstrated a lot of hardship in the revenant you could see that he's really shivering in those scenes you could see he's really wafting down that freezing river he's really chowing down on that raw buffalo meat his lips are chapped his voice is gone like it's a very physical performance and i think that physicality gets rewarded by the oscars just look at you know robert de niro gaining 75 pounds and turning in an amazing performance but also winning the oscar um i feel like he really kind of uh, he threw himself into a very unglamorous role, and I think he's going to be rewarded for it come Sunday. Agreed. I completely okay. agree. So, Drum that roll. brings us to Best Motion Picture of the Year. We got The Big Short, produced by Brad Pitt, Dee Dee Gardner, Jeremy Kleiner, The Martian, produced by Simon Kinberg, Ridley Scott, Michael Schaefer, and Mark Huffam, Brooklyn, produced by Finola Dwyer and Amanda Posey. The Revenant, produced by, get ready, Arnon Milshan, Steve Golan, <laughs> Alejandro Gonzalez and Yuritu, Mary Parent, and Keith Redman. You got British Spies, produced by Steven Spielberg, Mark Platt, and Chris- Christy McCosco-Krieger. You've got Room, produced by Ed Guini, Mad Max Fury Road, produced by Doug Mitchell and George Miller, and lastly, Spotlight, produced by Michael Sugar, Steve Golan, Nicole Rocklin, and Bly Pagan Faust. That's an interesting name. Um, Great Steve name. Golan actually has two movies this year that he's nominated for. For The he Revenant does. and Spotlight. So this guy is one to watch. Which I would incidentally say <laughs> are probably the two that are most likely yeah. to win. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree those are the two most likely to win, but I think it's going to be The Revenant. I think it is yeah. too. I think that uh, you know it's as as you said earlier, it's got all of the momentum right now. It's the one that uh, everybody's talking about. Uh, it disappoints me a little bit because, as we have talked about in our review of it, it, you know, it it for all of its bombast and all of its sort of muscle, and it is a muscular film. It's mm-hmm. a very uh, you know, it's an experience watching right. the film. Uh, several of these films I enjoyed enjoyed the experience of watching considerably more than that. The most obvious of which would probably be Spotlight and Mad Max Fury Road, which I had at the top of my list. Mm-hmm. Even Room I enjoyed more than uh-huh. The Revenant. Even actually, I I, I probably enjoyed <laughs> watching all of these more than I enjoyed watching The Revenant. Even though The Revenant is an extraordinary film, right? Uh, so it it does disappoint me a little bit that it's good it's i'm fairly confident that it's going to win um i would love to see mad max take this award uh just because it it would be such a great upset right uh but in terms of the best the most solid film in this category i think spotlight it would be my pick yeah in the absence of nominating Ex Machina, that would be the one. Right. Well, you know, <laughs> The Revenant also has an archetypal archetypal revenge story like a that dates back yeah, to the yeah. classic Greek myths. It's a very kind of primal uh, story. And um, for me, I would also love to see the, the journalists of Spotlight treated as heroes and, and, uh, yeah. and have the film awarded the top honor because it's a it's an unglamorous job to be a, you know, a journalist and 
a lot of people that I've talked to about Spotlight will say that they thought the movie was going to be more dramatic. They thought that it, it would have been yeah. more yeah. sensational. But it's a quiet, realistic movie. It's about it. It's rarely have I seen a film that seems so much like real life and yet is also fascinating. And it's yeah. full of yeah. a, it's got a great ensemble cast. I would say the best ensemble cast of the year. Um, so I, I think that I would rather that Spotlight won, but as I said, I feel like Rev- the Revenant has just got, it's like a juggernaut right now, and so I think that's going to be it. That'll be best picture. Yeah, it's pretty unstoppable, and uh, and that is that's where we're going to end up. That's uh, it's going to be our. We may ha- uh, differ in our opinion as to what other awards it might collect, but uh, it's going to get this one. I'm I'm afraid. Uh, and I wouldn't say that it's undeserving. I would just say that my personal preference falls yeah. elsewhere. Okay. So, um, but, uh, but a very interesting year for the Academy Awards, uh, you know, a lot of really interesting films and, uh, a lot of really interesting races as per usual. So, uh, you can tune in on Sunday night, uh, and, and see if your favorite films. Indeed. Win. If you're not if, if you're not going to boycott it, watch it and uh, yes. see see how you uh, fare in your Oscar scorecard. Indeed. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us for our Oscars podcast uh, that we do every year, and we hope that you will join us for our next episode when we will be talking about the new release that's getting a lot of buzz: The Witch, mm-hmm. a horror film released by A twenty four, which is. That they, I mean they they're on they're on point yeah. man. They did the rover, my favorite film and of last year. Under the skin, under the skin, yeah. And uh, Ex Machina, right? Uh, yeah. I could be I could be yeah, wrong not, about I'm that. I'm not sure about that that one. Yeah, but they're uh, they're killing it, is what I'm trying to say. Right. <laughs> so uh, join us for that, and uh, we will catch you Have next. Have a good time. one.